The Charles Adler Show starts now. So I am reading a National Post column earlier this week by someone who's not a regular columnist with the Post, so it may be someone that you're not aware of. He is a lecturer at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver. He's also someone who has run for office. He'll tell us more about that in just a few moments. But let me just give you the headline that blew my doors off. National Post column. It's amateur hour in Canadian politics. Time for big money. Less money means less talent and more potential to violate election rules. Now, I've got to share this with you folks because I put all my opinions in the shop window and we're going to bring our guest on who, who wrote the column in just a few moments. But I have believed for the longest time that if you pay peanuts, right? If you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. Not trying to take shots at monkeys here, okay? But the point is, it doesn't matter what enterprise we're involved with. If you don't pay the right amount of money, your competitor, okay, will take most of the share of business. The political business is no different than any other business. And if it were more professional, which would require more money at all levels, I think it would be very, very helpful to democracy. Difficult to say this in a so-called populist era because so much of populism is about amateurism. So much of populism is about inveighing against the so-called elites. And so I'm going to take a big risk here in this populist era that we're in. I'm going to bring on someone from the elite someone who is a lecturer at an elite university, the University of British Columbia, and he's the person who's pushing this. So for the people who are radical populists, you can, you can, you can pick on him all day long. But if you just open your mind a little bit and step outside the, the populist cave, I think you'll be very impressed by what this gentleman has to say. Adam Pankratz is a lecturer at UBC. He's in the Sauter Business School. Adam Pankratz, this is uh, the first time for us on this show, or any show for that matter, welcome to the Charles Adler Show podcast. Well, thank you very much for Charles for having me. And uh, based on that intro, it sounds like I'm going to have a lot of fun in the next uh, few hours or days um, hearing from your listeners. <laughs> the only people who don't have fun on this show, and we haven't had any of them so far, but the only ones in, in my career who haven't had fun are those who take themselves really, really seriously, and those who are extremely reluctant to ask uncomfortable questions and I have a reason to believe that based on what I read in your column uh, that you're not one of those uh, because this is really bold, bold stuff. Now, I, before we get into the philosophy of populism and, and what we're up against, I just want to let people get to, to know you a little bit. I mentioned that you, you ran for office. Uh, before you ran for office, uh, what were you doing in your life that motivated you to seek public office? Well, I, I'd um, been fortunate in my life that I had an early introduction to politics. Um, my uh, grade nine English teacher actually had a personal relationship with uh, Sven Robinson. And, um, and so I first sort of had that introduction to a real live politician in grade nine English. Um, and, uh, you know, Sven in Burnaby, whatever people think of him, and I know he was a polarizing figure in Canadian politics, but um, he was a great local MP. And, uh, and he, you know, he, he spoke his mind and agree with him or not. Um, he was someone who was really involved in the community and we developed a friendship. Uh, and even at the time in high school, I knew I, 
um, probably wasn't an NDPer, but I respected him for you know his local involvement and what he did for the community. Um, and so that was the initial introduction. And then um, you know uh, as I got into later years in high school and university, I uh, volunteered on local liberal campaigns uh, with a great guy called uh, Bill Cunningham, and uh, and uh, and then um, you know I went away to university. I was I was out of the country for a few years, but I came back and I um, I wanted to uh, to get involved uh, after the liberal bloodbath of 2011, and that's when I really put my foot down, um, trying to get the nomination and and getting involved. But it was. Um, I guess I guess the other part of that is what was I doing um, while I wasn't running for politics because obviously it's not a job per se because you don't get paid for it. I was um, when I after studying I was uh, working uh, in commercial banking, so I worked with um, Coast Capital Savings in their commercial banking uh, division. So some of your studies were in Germany, and I'm just wondering if Germany is where you picked up on the idea that they pay pretty, people pretty well there at all levels of politics and their politics are very professional there. And I can just tell you in terms of my, my own experience, uh, when I'm interviewing a person involved in the political system, it doesn't matter whether it's a politician, someone working for a politician, anyone involved in the political ecosystems in, in most Western democracies, including Germany, I get the sense that I'm dealing with someone who is professionally operating at a higher level with, with more experience. Was that your experience as a student, a, a master's student in Germany? Um, I wouldn't say exactly, but what I, what I would say is that I think in Canada very often, and this would apply not just to politics, I think it also applies to other issues where there's, there's controversy about any type of privatization or money, like, like our, our healthcare system. Um, what I would say is that being in Europe, particularly continental Europe, is often held up as an example, rightly so, of where you know money doesn't enter into it, or privatization and, and corp corporate concerns are are, are less uh, of a problem. Um, I think when you're there, you realize that's not really the case, right? Germany has private healthcare. Germany has more money in Canadian politics, and the, the mistake I think we make in Canada is that we we're we're next to the elephant right we look at the united states and we say oh my god i don't want that and so we react um you know kind of violently and say well whatever the united states is doing i should do the opposite of that um and that might be the case sometimes right but but um but a lot of the time it isn't and and i think bringing a balance back to how we how we view um, ourselves, you know, in terms of establishing our own policies rather than just making them reactionary and saying, you know, sometimes privatization uh, in the healthcare system could be good. Uh, that works in Germany, right? Uh, despite they have a high tax base and is a very, a very equal society. Um, more money in politics could be good, right? That's the case. Um, they pay politicians more in Germany. You can donate more, things like that, right? So um, it's it's more just, I think, when when you're, you're there, you, you, you see what is actually going on on the ground. Um, and that, you know, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing proposition um, in reaction to whatever the United States is doing. Let me ask a totally unfair question here, because you mentioned uh, Sven Robinson, who was a very, very famous NDPer. And uh, the NDP is the party in this country that is most vehemently for the union position 
on healthcare and how healthcare is applied. And it's the, it's the party that always brings up uh, the issue around the United States and how much of the American uh, system is a nightmare, lots of horror stories, and the assumption that if we had more privatization in the delivery of healthcare, we would have a replica of the United States. And when the idea is proposed, well, wait a minute, uh, wh what about the Germans? Uh, what about the French? What about the Belgians? What about the rest of the world outside of maybe, I don't know, North Korea or Cuba? Uh, the the NDP always goes back to the uh, to the American example. So I'm just wondering, uh, do you suspect that if uh, Sven Robinson wasn't worried about his NDP colors, uh, that he might agree with his good friend Adam Pankratz on this? Um, I, I certainly won't uh, pretend to speak for him. I I don't think so, based on my conversations with Sven on on that. Um, I I don't I don't think so. I mean, I I don't I don't know if his views have changed. Um, since the last time we spoke, but I, I very much doubt it. All right, uh, so let's uh, move uh, off of uh, healthcare and uh, the money involved in Europe in, in, in healthcare and the fact that uh, the people who are very, very pro-public sector uh, accept the idea that there is what in, in Canada is, is known as, as two-tier healthcare and they're not worried about uh, the American bogeyman. It's got nothing to do with how they, how they proceed and how they've got much smaller waiting lists and, and better outcomes, etc. We'll move off that back to the, the Canadian example. Something happened in your own backyard in BC that motivated you to write this stellar piece about how it's amateur hour for politics in Canada not necessarily only because there's not enough money in it, but money is a factor. Please, please follow the money. What happened in British Columbia, as I say, in your own backyard? Well, uh, the campaign finance rules were changed relatively um, recently and issues around um, donations in municipal politics um, changed specifically. And what happened, the, the big high profile, why it sort of caught people's attention was because one of the candidates for Vancouver mayor, um, Mark Marison, uh, was you know caught and found you know guilty basically of, of violating the campaign finance rules. Um, you know, I, I hasten to add, I don't I don't personally think Mark did this intentionally. I find it surprising because Mark is a political veteran, and um, you know I think a lot of people were surprised that that he wouldn't have got the the the, the information correct, but. You know, what he said was that he was a victim of bad legal advice. Um, that may sound to some like a convenient excuse. Um, my involvement with politics or just being sort of more in the environment, I actually think that's probably quite likely. Um, there are very few, um, there are very, very few um, professionally paid, you know, election lawyer experts, even at high levels. Um, there's a lot of volunteerism and um, and that's that's great. You know, their people are donating their time, but, you know, it's still, you know, money talks. Right. You said it at the beginning. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know the situation exactly what happened in terms of that, how that advice was given. But it wouldn't surprise me that, um, you know, it, it may not have been super high priority because it's part of a volunteer campaign or a very part time thing. And um and, you know, we end up with with these unfortunate situations where, as you know, as far as I'm concerned, people who didn't have malintent, they're trying to navigate, um, trying to navigate difficult and complicated election laws and find money any way they can, um, you know, ran afoul of the rules. And, um, you know, they did that. That's that's fine. But, you know, the rules 
in my view, in terms of the ability of people to donate to campaigns should be different um, in that they should uh, they should be able to donate more. Right. It should be easier to raise funds. And um, and right now that's not the case. And I think it leads to to unfortunate outcomes. And I think it makes it hard to run a professional campaign. And that contributes to a contributes to a less robust and less professional debate when uh, it comes to, to our democracy. And I think that's too bad. Let's get right to government. We have a, a situation uh, which is only a few weeks old where you've got a public safety minister in Canada uh, saying that he did not know that Paul Bernardo was being uh, transferred, and it wasn't until he was transferred that the public safety minister, Mendocino, uh, said that uh, he, he found out. Uh, very few people believe that, uh, but I'm just asking you now, as someone who says that that uh, politics is amateur hour in Canada. You also ran for the Liberal Party, ran unsuccessfully. Would you say that we should open our minds to the possibility that the minister might have been telling the truth and that it was amateur hour in him not knowing that Paul Bernardo, one of the most famous serial killers in Canadian history, was being transferred from maximum to medium? I mean, that, that one is surprising. Uh, I've... I've never run a government um, department, obviously. So um, I'm going to say that it's at least possible he didn't know. But, you know, I, I think the issue is more not, um, you know, did he or didn't he? It's the people that are attracted to politics um, with regards to the money. Um, and I think that, you know, politics right now, Although we do want to view it as a public service, uh, and I understand that that regard or that 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 notion, it is um, it's the reality is that you know finance and money attract better people. Right? I mean, if if you have more money, you're going to attract a higher quality of candidate, and I think there is definitely an issue in politics um, where if you know it's just not attractive to uh, people who are very highly qualified and in, you know, if they're doing really well in their career, what is the incentive to uh, go into politics and go into this circus where your whole life is going to be opened up to the public, uh, not only your whole current life, but also your whole uh, past uh, and, you know, everything you may have said, um, anything you may have said to somebody, even if it's only an allegation, you know, what is the reward? Um, I get that a lot of people are going to say, well, the reward is you are a, a, a member of the government or you're a minister, and that is a reward in and of itself. I, I, I agree. But I think the lack of, um, of remuneration has, is, is such that, um, that uh, it, we're, we're not probably attracting maybe the highest talent that we could. And, and there's a lot of room, um, I think, to... to to raise salaries if we wanted to go down that route. My piece was more about donations, but if we wanted to raise salaries, I think there's a lot of, uh, there's, a, there's a good discussion that could happen there as well. So before we uh, get to donations, which was uh, your, your, your original intent, I want to stay with this uh, business of the public safety minister. And the reason I'm staying with this is because this is a case that everyone listening uh, knows about. It's impossible not to know that Paul Bernardo has been transferred to 
medium security. And I'm not suggesting in any way that that means that the public is, is being threatened, that uh, the medium security institution that he's in is uh, somehow fragile, vulnerable, and that uh, Paul Bernardo will be back on the streets. That's not where I'm going at all. I think the average uh, Canadian, though, does want Paul Bernardo to be as isolated as possible in a maximum security cell, and they don't care that that makes him uncomfortable or unhappy. Uh, that's not the issue for most Canadians. They want him to be punished uh, to the max, and so they're upset with what happened here. So let's talk about the public uh, safety minister position and any other cabinet position. Would you say that if a cabinet minister was being paid closer to $500,000, as opposed to the current, I'm just giving you the ballpark estimate, of, of $200,000, do you think we'd get better policy and possibly fewer incidents like the one we're discussing? Would it make a difference if we had more money to pay a public safety minister? Would we get someone who's more talented, possibly more responsible, and someone who would not get the government and the public into the row that we've been in over this situation? Uh, personally, I do think so. And I think that would apply as well to um, any staffers that that person has. Um, I think, you know, money doesn't eliminate the possibility that people are unaware of certain things or do something stupid. Um, there's enough examples around the world of that. But I think it does, um, you know, maximize the chance that a very qualified person or a more qualified person is is involved. Um, so it doesn't, you know, it's not, we're never going to, we're never going to have a scandal free or a dumb decision free, uh, political environment. That's just not realistic. But, um, I do think we can, we can minimize that and, and, uh, and remuneration at a higher level is, is part of that. Let me ask you a question that uh, revolves around media. Do you think media should be doing more stories about the incredibly talented people in Canada, even though this podcast is heard around the world, it's just the nature of, of online delivery. Uh, but let's just focus on Canada here. Uh, is, it, is it possible that if media did more stories on talented people who have chosen not to get into public life because they just don't want to work for peanuts, peanuts being relative to the kind of money they can get in the private sector, if media did more stories on that, would that advance democracy? I think there's a there's an argument to be made that it could um, that that's that's something um, perhaps that that might be interesting. You know, it's hard to find the people who who weren't interested or who didn't want to do it. Um, but you know, I I can I can speak to just my own situation, right? Like um, you know where my career has gone, um, and without giving away all the personal details, you know, my salary's gone up, right? As as a, uh, as my career has advanced, as as I'm sure is the case with a lot of people. Well, as as that happens, or as you have a family, or as your situation in life um, stabilizes, like in anything, well, like the risk premium goes up, right? Like, well, what what am I what am I going to open myself up to? Why would I do that? Um, the the kind of tragic thing politically is, well, you probably want experienced people who are doing really well in their careers to go into politics. Um, and the harder that that decision becomes for them, then um, you're going to end up with, um, or there's a, there's a higher likelihood. Just just basic math would uh, would tell us. Just, there's just a basic math, you know, thing that you're going to get people who are you're going into politics sort of for the, you know, this is the best job they'll ever have. 
um, and that's not necessarily um, uh, a good thing either, right? Um, and and that I think leads to to more more divisive politics, um, more of the identity politics, which I really can't stand that we we currently live with, um, and and just decisions that are ideologically based, not um, not common sense or done for the best interest of the country. So a number of years ago, uh, you ran as a liberal candidate in a British Columbia in what I'll call an NDP-ish kind of riding, one of those ridings uh, where either the NDP wins or the liberal, and if the liberal wins, it's a, let's, let's just say, a, a relatively left of center liberal. So you ran there. Uh, you ran up against uh, an NDP candidate who ended up beating you and later became uh, the mayor of Vancouver. Here's the, the question. That was then, this is now. There will be uh, another election in a year or two. Uh, 2025 is, is, is the, is, is, is the uh, most, much more logical day because that's when the NDP agreement with the, the Liberals essentially runs out and it's, it's time for another election. Fine. So if just as a hypothetical, if you were reached out to uh, to run for the Liberals again uh, in two years from now, Adam Pankratz, would you be very reluctant to do it, not because you didn't think that you had a good chance of winning, but because there's a very good chance that you cannot make the money in politics. You cannot make the money as a member of parliament and even a cabinet minister that you can doing what you're doing right now. Well, I, so just before I answer that, I'll say that NDP, NDP-ish riding, it's, I think it's been NDP now for 49 or 50 years. So it's a, it's a heavy duty um, NDP riding. Um, it's a pretty theoretical question. I think um, some of the things I've said and written uh, now that I'm sort of a bit more free uh, outside of the Liberal Party, I, I don't know if I'll be getting that invitation, but <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but would I be reluctant um, and would it be a much more difficult decision? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, it would be. Um, and and would a higher like higher salary in politics change that? Uh, probably. Um, but, you know, I don't I don't foresee myself doing that in two years for a number of reasons. But um, certainly one of which is, you know, what is the what is the what is the risk that I'm running um, the other way? And and some people may just say, well, that makes me a chicken. Um, and I accept that maybe, you know, maybe I've, I've passed into into that uh, level of where my career is with two young kids. Um, so maybe I am a little bit at the moment, but that's a problem, right? Like that, that is, that is, that is a problem that it shouldn't be, you know, politics is ought to be, at least in my mind, a, a noble and, and professional, uh, you know, occupation that people want to be involved in and the current environment, um, uh, monetarily, um, and also with the associated risk of social media and, and, and what comes with it, it's really unattractive i think at at the moment in a lot of ways um there's no question it's 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 also one of the best experiences of my life right like running um i loved it i love getting to see the community and i don't doubt that if i had been elected um i would have had that even more so um so you know i i see both sides of it but i think um I think the more attractive we can make it, ultimately, the better people will get, and that will serve the country better. But at the moment, based on everything you're telling us right now, at the moment, money is a big part of why you would likely not want to secure a liberal nomination. 
I mean, it it is play. It plays it the 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 trade off for the risk. Um, the money certainly is not there. No, no way. All right, and uh, I, I I put not just my opinions in the shop window, but my mistakes because to to err is human. I erred, and I'll tell you why I erred about uh, thinking that your writing was NDP ish, because uh, you were obviously in South Burnaby. You said Burnaby. I related to it as North Burnaby, where I used to live. And in my writing, as, as you know very well, the writing that I used to live in, uh, sometimes an NDPer wins and, and sometimes a Liberal wins. A, a Liberal happens to, to have that writing right now. So my apologies to you on, on, no, no. on, on projecting. Um, when it came to Burnaby, we've got uh, two writings with Burnaby in them. You're in the writing that is not just NDP-ish. You were in the writing that is NDP, 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 very safe. And I was in the one that was, uh, you know, sometimes Liberal, sometimes NDP. So we've, we've cleared that up, and I appreciate the... Uh, the correction. Let's get back to the donation issue. What's the connection uh, that you want to make? And I want to give you more time on this than, than you, we had at the very, very beginning. But what is the connection that you want to make on, on the capacity for people to donate money and the kind of politics that we get and how it impacts on democracy? Okay. Well, what, what I would just simply start with is, is highlighting two numbers. Um, just to demonstrate the differences we're talking about between Canada and the United States. So in the uh, most recent federal election, uh, all parties together, right, spent $82.9 million. In the 2020 um, presidential election, the estimated spend was $14.4 billion. Okay, so on our federal election, we spent eighty-two point nine million. For the presidency, there was a spend of fourteen point four billion. So that's a difference of one hundred and seventy-three times. Um, that's like ridiculous, right? Um, you know, most of the time we look at the United States and we sort of say, well, we should probably be a tenth of that, right? We're a tenth the size population. We're a tenth in a lot of things. That's a pretty standard Canadian conversion. So we're 173 times behind the United States. Now, I am, uh, just to be clear, right? I think the United States has its problems too. Unlimited donations leads to unwanted outcomes and would lead to undue uh, influence or, or too large an influence of money or uh, rich people in politics. And that's not desirable either. But I think from where we are to 14.4 billion, there is a middle ground somewhere, right? So um, could we increase our spend 10 times with probably without running too afoul of uh, overindulgence and overinfluence of money? I don't think that's that crazy a thing to say. Um, you know, obviously, I'm saying it, so I don't think so. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> the the, uh, the the current maximum donation um, uh, of, uh, that someone can make to a campaign is uh, is seventeen hundred dollars per year. Well, if that were fifteen or twenty thousand dollars, I think you know democracy would actually be well served, and you would get more professional campaigners, more professional staff. Um, probably more professional um, candidates uh, who would have a better time raising money, an easier time raising money, could produce more sophisticated uh, communications material, could reach out to Canadians better to understand what it is they are interested in and what it is they want. And I think you would also have um, local independent candidates who 
had a better time and an easier time raising money and would not um, be so beholden in a lot of ways or so desperate for any type of help and financing that they might get from the federal parties. And that would hopefully lead to more local independence and, and more lo strong local MPs, which I also think would be a very positive, um, a very positive addition to our current political uh, situation. So I think, I think there, there, there are potentially a lot of benefits. Um, and, you know, back to what set this off, um, you know, better, better advice, right? Better advice as to, to, you know, what, what candidates are permitted to do, how they're permitted to do it, and, uh, and just an all round more professional class of, uh, of Canadian political actors. Adam, over the years, have you gotten uh, contacted by people inside the political system? I don't care whether they're liberal, NDP, conservative, it doesn't matter because this is a, a, a general thing and it's something that I picked up on simply doing what I do for a living over the years. And I picked up on this, as I say, it's, it's not partisan. Conservative uh, people who had to hire uh, staff, uh, liberals, NDPers and others have told me that it's very, very difficult, Chuck, very difficult to hire staff because the money that is available uh, simply is money that uh, only relatively inexperienced uh, people want. Uh, it's very hard, hard to hire people who are successful in the private sector to work for different government operations, whether it's uh, provincial, municipal, or federal. Is that something that Adam Pankratz had upon? Absolutely. 100%. Um, you know, let's say there are candidates who don't have that problem. Uh, Justin Trudeau <laughs> does not have problems raising money. Uh, leaders of, of, uh, of, leaders of, of uh, federal parties, uh, high-ranking cabinet ministers. Okay, fine. That, that's a very small percentage um, of the, the politicians who are out there. Um, and even they don't start out that way, right? You're not a cabinet minister until you are. So um, it is very, very difficult. And people are relying on anybody they can get. I mean, why was I volunteering, um, you know, in high school and in university? Well, because I had no experience, I couldn't command any money at all, because uh, I was happy to have a chance to have uh, the fact that I'd been involved on my resume and I, and I like the local candidate. But that situation plays out over and over and over again. And it's not an exaggeration, I wouldn't say to, you know, say that a lot of the times the financial agents of a lot of these candidates are, you know, they're, they're, their friend or their aunt or somebody who really does not have the expertise or the ability to navigate uh, complicated election laws. And, um, and that doesn't serve the system well, it doesn't serve the candidate well, it doesn't serve uh, Canadians well. And, and you can pick any, any position on local campaigns. These people are working hard they're trying their best, right? There's no, I don't doubt for one second the, the intent and the good nature and the hard work that anybody who runs for any political campaign puts in, whether you're independent, green, NDP, conservative, or liberal. Uh, but the fact is the resources aren't there, right? And, and so you, you don't get the, the quality of people who understand this stuff well enough to do it at a high level. And that hurts the local ridings, that hurts Canadians, and that hurts the system. Moving off the, the campaign, though, I'm talking about government as well. Do you get the sense and do you get uh, information from people in various parties 
who are running governments, municipal, provincial, federal, that it's very difficult to hire people to come into a government to do the important work that needs to be done. No, we don't see them. They're in the background, but they're the people who are responsible uh, for making sure that our governments run efficiently, and they're the ones who make sure that leaders, and that includes cabinet ministers, have the information, have the resources they need. If we were paying more money, would we be getting better people? And is it is this a complaint that you're getting uh, from people? Not I'm ta- not talking about the campaign. I'm talking about actual government. Is this something that your radar is picking up on? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think that that pay, you know, in in a lot of um, uh, important government uh, functions politically, like you're saying, to get the information to the ministers, whoever it be, um, is is not that high. Um, and I, you know, I get that that's not a cry that any politician wants to make, right? They don't, they don't want to go out and stand on the hustings and say, I should be earning twice as much and I'm going to make that decision. And, and, and so should my staff, right? Okay. I, I understand that that is not the political message people, people want, but you know, like this is important stuff, right? Politics isn't a game at the end of the day. I, I get that we make fun of it all the time. I certainly do. We roll our eyes at all kinds of weird and crazy things that happen because that's normally what makes the headlines. But our everyday lives are affected by this stuff. And, um, and, and if we're not providing financial resources to ensure that we have the best people possible making those decisions, attracting the type of person who wants to be involved, who, you know, has the background, has the training to, uh, to, to make these big time spending or big time impactful decisions. Well, we're going to get bad decisions. We're going to get, um, difficult. We're going to get, we're going to get bad policy. I mean, and if you, if, if, if you doubt, um, that, uh, that government policy affects our lives, right? A lot of the time, like you say, it's in the background. It, it happens. We don't, we don't necessarily see it out in our face. Well, how about COVID, right? If you were mad or you disagreed about COVID policies, whichever side you were on, I don't, I don't care. That was like, what more blatant example do you need of in that situation? I want the absolute best person making the decision and you know they might they might be wrong on occasion but at the very least i have some assurance that they were making the best decision they possibly could um and and knew how to interpret the information and knew how to uh uh, communicate and we're making we're, we're dealing the best as they possibly could for the public right that that is what what i say go back to covid um, were you happy if you weren't, if you were, you wanted the best person, right? And, and it's that simple. So to get back to what we were uh, discussing at the very, very beginning, uh, because it's the backdrop for everything these days, this, you, you, you talk about uh, your piece in the National Post where politics in Canada is amateur hour. Is it possible that we've, we're in a conundrum here because populism in its very nature celebrates the amateur, celebrates the person without a lot of experience, without a lot of education, and actually attacks people like you, people who work at universities, attacks people like me who are in the so-called mainstream media and have been for for decades. Uh, And populism seeks out those people who are 
rougher around the edges. Is it difficult in that kind of environment, Adam Pankratz, to advocate the idea of making politics much more professional, uh, allowing donations to be larger, and paying more for staff, and in fact paying more for, for politicians? Is this the wrong time? Not suggesting that there's anything wrong with what you wrote. It's terribly stimulating, and I feel it's important, and I absolutely agree with you. But I can put that to the side and simply ask, is this the wrong time to be advocating what you're talking about? Um, I, I mean, possibly. Um, populism, you know, whatever we mean by that is, is you know, on the rise, right? It's, it certainly seems. Um, but I, I, I would say, I think it's important in, in all of this stuff to be self-reflective as well, right? That, um, you know, the, the so-called elites, um, uh, have brought some of this on themselves uh, by sort of refusing to countenance anything that um, that uh, people who are not uh, part of that clique uh, might uh, might have to say, and that they might be being affected in ways that you know the the elites uh, can't can't fathom. Right? I, I think that's certainly something that um, I, I, I find troubling sometimes out of universities, to be perfectly honest, is, you know, we, we spend a lot of time talking about um, people need to be aware of their biases um, and, and, and take account of those when they make decisions, which I agree with. But uh, that goes for universities as well, right? That, that we need to be aware that I have biases. Um, there's no way that I couldn't and there's no way that anyone doesn't. It's not good or bad to have a bias. Uh, you just have them and, and to be aware of them. Um, is 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 an important fact factor in making good decisions um but so is it is it probably more difficult right at the moment when inflation is on the rise the bank of canada has just raised interest rates and you know the 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 real the average canadian um as we probably would refer to them in in is a poor is a poor descriptor but the the, you know, the average canadian the regular canadian is suffering and feeling the pinch on their wallets um, yeah, it's probably not a great time to say for a politician to stand up and say, I should be making more money or we should be putting more money into the, into the pockets of, of, of politicians and, and political staffers. Um, but I think, you know, the long-term effect of that is you get, you get worse policy and you get, um, you get poor decisions made, which ultimately then have those long-term negative effects on Canadians. And, and, and I think at the end of the day, that's where, where my argument is, is, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm honestly less concerned about the politicians' uh, bank account than I am about the decisions they make, which affect uh, everyday Canadians, right? And that's, that's what I want to see, is I want my, my answer to, you know, the, 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 the mob with pitchforks um, when they come to my office door will be... Um, I want this system to have more money in it because it's going to make your lives better, right? That, that's what my view is. Um, the better people that are in charge, the better everyone is going to be off, regardless of whether you view or feel that you are part of uh, an elite. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be better off if you have qualified and good people making uh making those decisions and and by the way right i mean those people could come from anywhere um that we again we want um representation from all different backgrounds in politics and uh by allowing easier routes of funding 
right? It's very possible that you open up uh, or encourage people from different backgrounds who might be um, totally disinterested at the moment. Uh, you might actually encourage them to, uh, to be involved in the political process more. And that would be a good thing because that would get more uh, diverse views that would get more diverse people with with diverse backgrounds involved and that would be more representative of what Canada is and more representative of of who those policies affect and and I can't see that being a bad thing so your column went online more than three days ago all right so let's just take the round number 72 hours in the last 72 hours what kind of feedback has Adam Pankratz had? to his proposal to put more money at all levels, donations, salaries, to put more money into Canadian politics, the feedback. Well, really, it's been uh, it's been a, it's been you, Charles. <laughs> I mean, uh, you you've been certainly the 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 biggest uh, person who's by far, obviously, who's who's come and asked. I, I again, I think this is something that. Um, is, is a little bit obscure that a lot of people sort of say, well, campaign finance rules, do I really want to be interested in that? Um, again, it, it hides in the background. Um, you know, people from, from politics that I know have said, oh, you know, that's, that's actually, I agree with you, right? I, I do agree with you. Um, but, you know, I, I, get, um, I get more feedback on, I guess you say, other more popular slash populist <laughs> type topics. Uh, obscure finance rules for Canadian elections doesn't uh, doesn't always arouse the passions as one might hope. Well, it arouses my passions, and I'll tell you why. Uh, you know, I've been doing the business in general for 50 years, uh, but for more than 30 years, I've been doing a lot of public affairs uh, talk, whether it's uh, TV or radio, and you know, different parts of the country, different parts of the United States, and it just it's just something that I have always found frustrating. That uh, the staff, you know, I could just, you know, do the Canadian thing here and say they're all trying very hard and their hearts are in the right place, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to waste the public's time on that. Uh, there is a much more professional environment in other countries. Some of them are in Europe. Yes, there's the United States. I get that the United States politics is intensely polarized. We've got issues there. But that's not about the staffing. That's not about the professionalism of the staffing. And so it bothers me because the Canadian passport is the, the document I, I, I treasure the most, and I am a, a proud Canadian. So it really, really bugs me that uh, our politics is much more amateur at all levels than politics in other countries. And so along comes Adam Pankratz, this lecturer at the University of British Columbia at the Sauter School, and you put it out there in black and white, very plainly for everyone to see. And I guess I don't particularly care if some of my colleagues, if I can call them that in, in media, are interested enough to, to contact you. But I really, really wanted to have a conversation with you, and I am absolutely thrilled to have it. I want to give you the, the last word on this, a pitch, uh, whether it's about uh, campaign donations, uh, whether it's it's about uh, salaries we, we pay. I just want you to speak directly to the public on what it is that galvanizes your emotions and takes you, in this particular case, to the National Post platform to say, folks, whether you like it or not, Canadian politics is amateur hour. Well, my, my pitch to, to Canadians, first and foremost, is to get involved and care about your politics, whether that's local, provincial, or federal. Um, it, it, it is easy to be involved. Um, there's lots of room for, for all different viewpoints. Um, and, and it's something that affects your lives. So my, my first thing I would say to, to Canadians is, 
is get involved and, and care about this stuff because we need your voice. We need your opinions and, and, and politicians and, and, and parties of all stripes want to hear from you. Uh, so, so get involved and care about this. Um, young or old, especially young, especially young, as I always say to my students, please, please get involved. We need young, qualified, uh, intelligent people involved in politics. And when you're there, um, tell the politicians, tell your local representatives, you know, I'm in favor of, of higher donation limits. I'm in favor of paying politicians more because I understand that the decisions you guys are making are having big effects on my lives, and I want to make sure that the very best decisions are getting made. Adam Pankratz, thank you very much for everything you're doing. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Catch Charles Adler Mondays on Real Talk with Ryan Jesperson, twice a week in the Winnipeg Free Press, and every day at criermedia.co.